Hello, everyone, and welcome to another back to back to back to back impromptu episode of Conversations of the Way. My name is Carlos. I'm your host, as always. And uh, today we're going to talk about God doesn't listen to me. I think we've all felt that way at one point, felt alone and felt disheartened by life. And, you know, we have gone to him. I'll tell you what, I'm going to speak about myself and I'm not going to assume about anyone else. But, you know, there's been times where I've, I've just felt lonely that he and that he wasn't there. And there's many reasons why I think those things happen. I think sometimes he doesn't speak to us or we don't feel him. And that may be a test, a test of faith to see if we're actually, you know, are holding on to his promises and we are walking by that faith. So that may be one reason. Another reason is because we just don't have a relationship with him. And when we don't have a relationship with him, that means that we're not doing the things that we're supposed to be doing. So, in lieu of that, we're just going to go through a story and then we're going to progress from that story. So, this story is about the blind, a blind man that was healed. And this is starting in John chapter 9, verse 20. His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he know, but he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. And then in parentheses it said, verse 22, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Verse 23 continues, Therefore his parents said, he is of age. Ask him. Now, I'm going to pause right there real quickly. Um, when it's talking here about the Jews, they're not talking about all the Jews. Yeah, they're talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these um, groups of Jews, right, that they thought they were high and mighty and they were the leadership of the Jews at the time. But he's not talking about all Jews. Obviously not. You know, I'm sure everybody knows, everybody knows when, understands when I say that, you know, Jesus Christ, he was a Jew of the tribe of Judah, right? There were 12 tribes. He was from that tribe. But they're not talking about all Jews. They're specifically talking about the Pharisees. And I think it would be better if they just said Pharisees instead of Jews. Because now you're, you, you're, you're putting a blanket of every single Jew, which is incorrect in my opinion. Verse 24. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Meaning... He's talking, they're talking about Jesus. And the blind man said, he answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, the thought that I was blind, now I see. And then they said to him, the Pharisees, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him saying, you are his disciple. But we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as of this man, we do not know where he comes from. 
The blind man answered, Why? This is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it, has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you and would you teach and you would teach us? And they cast him out. So this blind man is putting these fat this the Sadducees in check, right? He's like almost like uh being sarcastic, right? Like, wow, this is an amazing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes, and then he, he's schooling them, right? It's like, hey, you know, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. So he's definitely not a sinner. So th- this this kind of makes you think. I was like, okay, well, if I'm a sinner and we all know that we're sinners, then, you know, how is God listening to me, right? So to think about that, it's something that even, you know, the Apostle Paul understands, right? He says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we all agree with this, right? We're all sinners. There's no way around that. It is what it is. And Paul continues on Romans 7, uh, verse 7 as well. And bear with me on this one. And he talks about his struggle with sin. So I'm reading from the English Standard Version uh, Bible. And it's titled The Law and Sin because those two, th- those two are the opposites. The law, which we talked about, is the instructions of God, right? Those things that he tells us to do that are good, that are righteous, that's the good side. And then sin is unrighteousness. It is lawlessness, right? And those things are bad. So he's doing a comparison of the law, which is good, and sin, which is bad, right? So in starting in, again, uh, Romans 7, verse 7 says, What then shall we say? That the law is sin? By no means, right? Because it can't be because the law is good. Yet if it had not been for the law, for his instructions, I would have not known sin. For I would have not known what is to covet if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin came alive and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through it killed me. So the law is holy and the commandment is holy and righteousness and righteous and good. Right? So he finished with that. It, it might seem like he's contradicting himself there, but you have to understand that he's he's doing a parallel between law and sin and how if he didn't know what sin was until the commandment tell him, then he wouldn't have known, right? He would have thought he was doing the right thing. But the law, the instructions of God told him, saying, hey, man, you shouldn't be doing these things, right? So in verse 12, again, he's finished with saying, so the law is holy or like we talked about is set apart. And set apart from what's bad, from sin. And the commandment is holy and righteous and good. 
He continues in verse 13. Did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not know what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do good, for I do not do the good I want, but the evil that I do not want is what's keep, what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. So that was a lot of back and forth. But Paul there is, he's talking about his struggle that he has with his flesh, right? That he, and we all know this, right? We have all felt this in the past where we, there's something we know we shouldn't be doing and yet we still do it. Especially as, as you get older, you, you tend to, you know, especially as you dwell in his presence, there's all these big things that you definitely don't have a temptation to do anymore, right? Like, yeah, that's definitely bad. I don't want to do it. I, those things, those strongholds don't happen to me. But in your mind, there's another, there's that war and that struggle. When you know you shouldn't say something, but yet the flesh is like, just say it. Like you're poking a bear, right? Like you shouldn't be doing that. But in your mind, you're doing it. Or when you have a an unrighteous thought against somebody or when somebody... <laughs> Uh, upsets you and you may not say anything but in your mind you're like you little person <laughs> and and those things are are not good either right for your spirit because it all starts in the mind right and then it comes out in the physical form so verse 21 almost i'm almost done with uh, this part he says 21 so i find it to be a law that when i want to do right evil lies close at hand for I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Okay, so... In context, Paul's already, he's just telling you the stuff that he struggles with. And that's, you know, what he struggles in the mind. I'm not, Paul's not saying that he's sinning, but he has that struggle of back and forth, you know, with that, right? And I think we can all relate to that. And so it goes back to, um, you know, if if Paul, even Paul, is struggling with sin in his mind, and we're struggling with sin, you know, how can God listen to us then? If the blind man said, "We all know that God doesn't listen to sinners," so how can He listen to us? Well, let's read what First Timothy one, verse twelve through seventeen says, and it's titled, "Christ Jesus came to save sinners," and that's me and you, right? I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, 
appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory for forever and ever. Amen. Okay. So, we are sinners. True. But it's through Jesus that we are cleansed. And because of his grace and mercy, you know, we can have that connection through him to God. Now, we we're still fall short every day. Correct. But we're through him because he is the word. He is the law. He, he, and he walked it perfectly without no sin. No sin was found in him because of that. You know, making that ultimate sacrifice for us in the cross. That's how we're able to even have a relationship with God. But If we go back to the blind man and he says that he doesn't listen to us, then how, how do we justify those things, right? Because we're all, all through the scriptures, we're also told to separate ourselves from sin and all these things. So what's the difference between being a sinner and being listened to God and, and how do we justify that? And this is what my understanding is of that. In the next, in this next verse, we're going to read. And this is from First John, chapter three, verse four through ten. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, and he is righteous. Whoever makes practice a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason... The Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes practice of sinning. Of God's seed abides, for God's seeds abide in him, and he cannot keep on sinning, because he has born, been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who, who does not love his brother. So, you have to be a practitioner of sin in order to, there's no repentance for that. You have to be a scoffer. You have to just say, well, I know this is bad, but I'm going to, I don't care. I got to keep, I'm going to keep on doing, I'm, I'm going to keep on practicing sin. There's a difference between that. And there's a difference between having an ignorance of sin. 
that doesn't mean that there won't be some kind of you know punishment. That doesn't mean that there's not something you have to deal with because of that. But God is more understanding of that than you just being a scoffer not doing that. And here's here's my way of explaining these things to me that to me it makes sense and hopefully makes sense to you. Like I said, think think of God as a good earthly father. And a good earthly father has given you an advice to to do things, to do certain things and certain things not to do. And he he's very pleased with you when you do good things, but he's not pleased when you do bad things, right? So what happens if you do something and you did not know that you were not supposed to do that, right? Like, um, let's say, let's keep it something simple. You're a, you're a kid and you put something in the garbage disposal or in, in, you flush it down the toilet, something you didn't know. You just, you were never instructed. You didn't think about it or whatever reason. I'm sure that, you know, there's two scenarios here. The, the parent, the father can get, you know, rather upset about it, you know, but at the same time, he'll be like, well, the kid didn't, he didn't know. I never told him not to do that, right? You would think that he would know, or you may think that it's common sense, but, you know, to be fair and just, just like God is, you know, the kid didn't know. Now, if the kid flushes down some of the, to- down the toilet or down, you know, the, the sink that he's been told multiple times not to do, yeah, his his earthly father is going to get mad and there will be, you know, a discipline, disciplinary action because of that. Because he had been instructed not to do so, but yet he did it. And he keeps on doing it. So he's a practitioner of those things. But if he did it one time and he didn't know, and now he knows and never does it again, in other words, he's repented from that, then that's, that's a whole different scenario. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I hope it does. It does to me, and I hope it does to you as well. But, you know, God does listen to his children. He he listens. He's very patient. He's very forgiven. There's there's grace and mercy on that, right? There's forgiveness through Jesus. But, you know, he doesn't want us to keep on doing the same thing over and over again and expect for him just to turn a blind eye on that. He can't do it because that wouldn't be just. See, when we create transgression... We're not just transgressing against him. We're transgressing against our brothers and sisters. And that wouldn't be fair, would it? And he's a just and fair God, so he can't let those things slide. So, if you ever feel like he's not listening to you, if I ever feel, I'm going to talk about if, that he's not listening to, to me, i, I got to think about two things. One, How's my relationship with him? Am I living in righteousness? Am I following his commandments? If the answer is yes, and I'm confident about that, okay, then I'm like, okay, then he's testing me. He's being quiet. He's watching me. He's trying to see what what I'm going to do with whatever situation I'm in. And I have to hold on to, I got to be faithful and I've got to hold on to his promises and know that his right hand is upon my life. And I just have to move forward and carry on. But if the answer is no, no, I don't have a relationship with him. No, I'm not praying. I'm not reading the scriptures. I live in transgression. Then 
Yeah, he's not listening to you. You may think that's messed up. I was like, he's he's the father. He's the creator of the heavens, the earth, and the seas. He's not at your beck and call. You're his servant. You're his child. So I hope this um, gives you hope, if anything else. And it gives you an answer of why maybe God's not listening to you. I'm not saying that's the reason why. That's for you to pray for and discern. This is just me having conversations with you. But at the end of the day, you have to go into your own space and start having a relationship with him and praying with him and say, Father, what, what do you want from me? What am I doing wrong? And it's not, you're not going to hear him audibly. He's going to nudge you. He's going to push you. And he might even discipline you. Just like a good earthly father would. And that's hard to hear. Hey, and maybe we'll talk about that in the next episode. Okay. All right, guys. That is all I have for you. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it's have made you, you know, Think about a few things and, you know, go out there and, and have a relationship with them. All right, guys. See you next time.